Welcome to Medical Student Study Cast, the podcast to help third-year medical students study for clerkships, where I have the questions and you have the answers. Hi. I am your host, Josh Bradford, a third-year medical student at Rocky Vista University. The goal of this podcast is to help medical students study for high-yield topics, actively test knowledge, and practice providing answers to preceptor questions. I used several resources and picked out some of the highest-yield information. This podcast uses a question-answer format, which can help test and gauge what you know and help identify knowledge gaps. I encourage you to do your best to actively answer the questions. Let's get started. Psychiatry Clerkship. In this episode, we will cover sleep physiology and disorders. Starting with general advice, so there will be at least a few questions on sleep disorders and physiology, so this is an important topic to understand. Also, spend time looking at pictures of sleep stages. A simple Google search will help you find those sleep stages and what they look like. Look at each stage and be able to distinguish between them. Pay attention to other medical or psychiatric disorders that intertwine with sleep, such as obstructive sleep apnea with obesity and neck size, or restless leg syndrome and iron deficiency. We're now going to talk about sleep physiology. I was a sleep technician before starting medical school, so this is my bread and butter. Let's talk really quickly about sleep hygiene. It does not get enough attention, so what is it? Sleep hygiene are behaviors that help elicit quality sleep, onset, and duration during the night. What are some of these behaviors? So some of these behaviors include no exercise within an hour of sleep, limiting blue light before sleep, limiting caffeine after 3 p.m., having routine and schedule that prepares the body and mind for sleep, such as brushing teeth and getting into the same pajamas. Uh, Also, limit the amount of activities done in the bed, so no TV, Uh, you know, limit reading. What I've heard is there are two S's that are allowed, sleep and sex. These are important details that you might need to share with patients, and some questions will talk about sleep hygiene, so it's good to have an idea of what that looks like. What are the stages of sleep? So really quickly, those are stage one, two, three, and REM sleep. So these stages generally go in order, hence their numbering system, can jump around during the middle of the night, but during the sleep cycle, REM is usually last in the sleep cycle. How long is a normal sleep cycle? Uh, Approximately 90 minutes, and uh, there's kind of a halfway point where you can get a partial sleep cycle, uh, 45 minutes, and so naps should either be 45 minutes or 90 minutes if you want to hit that REM sleep, or, you know, usually around 10 to 15 minutes if you're just going to kind of get into stage two sleep. If you go too long, you can get to stage three sleep, which can leave you groggy. All right, what are alpha waves associated with? All right, the sleep stage alpha waves are associated with are uh, awake. Even though it's a sleep stage, this would be awake. It uh, has a low amplitude, high frequency. It's not jumping all over the page. It's kind of narrow and small. What stage are theta waves associated with? This is stage one sleep. There's this distinguishing feature that the sleep brain waves slow down at theta waves. It's not the deepest, but it's introductory. Sleep spindles and K-complexes are associated with what stage? 
This is stage two. Sleep spindles are fast, high frequency, and K-complexes are a wide with a negative deflection. All right, what are delta waves associated with? Delta waves are associated with stage three sleep. It usually has to have over 25% you know, delta waves on the screen to identify it as stage three. There is no more stage four sleep. Delta waves kind of look low and slow, big rolling mountains, and it has a lower frequency with a higher amplitude. Now what sets REM sleep apart physiologically? So the brain waves can look active, almost like they're awake, but there's a decreased muscle tone, in fact a skeletal um, paralysis, and obviously rapid eye movement as the name suggests. REM, rapid eye movement sleep. Now what are the benefits of REM sleep? So there are a lot of studies that have been done where they wake up patients during or before they can get good REM sleep. And if you have a deprivation of REM sleep, there's an inability to process memories, they can have emotional instability, uh, even some potential muscle and physiologic problems in the rest of the body. Also, REM is generally the period of dreaming sleep that people remember. What time of the night is REM most common? So REM is most common in the morning. There's a higher proportion of REM in the morning, so if you wake up two hours early, that's why it can be extra exhausting, and sometimes getting an extra hour of sleep can be so restful. What leads to REM deprivation? There are a lot of behavioral and medication situations that can lead to REM deprivation, and these include alcohol use, benzodiazepine use, sleep deprivation, and then uh, anything that leads to more increased arousals or awakenings including uh, caffeine use and any sort of stimulant use. What stage of sleep is hardest to awaken from? I kind of mentioned this earlier. Stage three sleep is generally considered the deepest sleep and the hardest to awaken from. Now, what are some things that can lead to increased sleep arousals known as awakenings, or also known as awakenings, excuse me? And there are a lot of things that can lead to it. Some of the most uh, tested and often seen in the clinic is obstructive sleep apnea or central sleep apnea. These are examples of respiratory disruption that can lead to increased arousal. Also, stimulant use is very common and poor sleep hygiene. Uh, stimulants that can include caffeine, cocaine, methamphetamines, all decrease sleep, especially caffeine past 3 p.m. because of the uh, approximately six to seven hour half-life. Let's move on to some specific disorders. All right, a patient who rejoined his family after military duty overseas is sleeping and having vivid nightmare where he is defending himself against an enemy. He awakens to realize that he's choking his own wife. What is this? This is REM sleep behavioral disorder uh, with possible PTSD. Now, if the patient has PTSD, what will this lead to in REM sleep? PTSD generally has intense nightmares that can decrease the desire to sleep and decrease the desire to have REM sleep because that's when nightmares occur. So they can drink alcohol, which decreases REM sleep, that helps prevent nightmares but have long-term negative effects. What are characteristic features of REM sleep behavioral disorder? The key here is the person their body isn't fully paralyzed. So the REM sleep, they're having a dream, generally a nightmare, 
but because their bodies are paralyzed, the individual acts out the dream in real life. Next, what about a screaming child that won't respond, goes back to sleep, and doesn't remember anything in the morning? This would be a night terror, and what stage of sleep is this normally seen in? So this is stage three sleep. Because it's not uh, the uh, stage of sleep closest to awake, like REM, it's a deep sleep. So they don't remember it happening to them and it's hard to pull them out of it. The best thing to do is just put them back to sleep, get them back to their bed, and uh, it'll generally resolve over time. What are some other parasomnias or problems that occur during sleep that occur in stage three sleep? These would be nightmare disorders or sleepwalking disorders. And in general, what's the best treatment for these? Generally, it's reassurance often happens in children and they're most more likely to grow out of it. What are some medications that can help with nightmare disorder? Especially in PTSD, uh, antidepressants and prazosin, the alpha blocker, can help. A way you can remember prazosin or prazosin is pray you won't get any more nightmares with prazosin. A 45-year-old male with a stressful finance job has trouble getting to sleep at night. He awakens several times during the night and will lay in bed for a long time before getting back to sleep. He has stopped taking caffeine after 2 p.m., but is still trouble getting to sleep. It's starting to affect his work as he is very tired. What is this? Many of us have experience with this because it's a very common sleep disorder. This is insomnia. It's problems with either sleep onset, maintenance, or awakening too early. What do you do with this patient first? So the boards love the firsts, and in this case, and in most cases, it is uh, conservative treatment. So it would be educate on sleep hygiene and consider CBT. What medications can you give, especially if he didn't want daytime somnolence? All right, these are the non-benzo Z drugs. All right, the Z's cause Z's, or sleeping. What are these drugs? These are Zolpidem, Zaloplon, and Azopiclone. <laughs> Sorry if I mispronounce any of those. Now what if the patient also has severe anxiety about his job during the night? What's a possible drug we could give short term? So benzos can be considered if there is refractory sleep problems. They can be sedative during the daytime and have addictive potential. What medication can be given if the patient was depressed? So it would be trazodone and possibly amitriptyline. So trazodone is given all the time and is not always the best antidepressant, but if there is comorbidity there, it is a good possible agent. Now what sleep changes are seen with a depressed patient? With a depressed patient, REM is achieved quicker and generally lasts longer. If REM sleep is restorative, it makes sense the body that's in a depressed state might think it needs more sleep, more REM sleep especially. Also, if the body is sleep deprived, which occasionally happens in depression, you know, with insomnia, uh, the body will make up for it by having a larger percentage of the sleep be REM. What changes are seen in old age? As people age, there's a general decreased need for sleep and especially as they get a lot older, they might sleep less at night and take naps during the day to make up for it. Also, there's decreased amplitude 
and amount of uh, delta waves. If you remember from neuro, the brain decreases in size, increasing the subdural space, which you know makes the elderly patients at higher risk for subdural hematomas. But uh, what it also does is separates the brain away from the EEGs, and so there is decreased amplitude. Patients that need to move their legs as they lay down, they may feel tingling on the skin of their legs and kick the legs sporadically during the night while they're asleep. What is this? This is restless leg syndrome. What medical condition is most associated with restless leg syndrome? I mentioned earlier, do you remember? So this is iron deficiency. It's really interesting, but iron supplementation can help a lot with restless leg syndrome. That can be one of the ideologies. What are the best treatments for RLS? So restless leg syndrome can be treated with dopamine agonists, and I think about that as uh, dopamine being removed, for example, with antipsychotics, can cause uh, increased muscle activity. And so if you give a dopamine agonist, that can take away some of the muscle activity, even in the legs. Also, benzos can help, and then last line agent might be opiates. Next case, an obese man who wakes up not feeling refreshed and often has a headache in the morning. His wife complains about his loud snoring. He has a large neck size and says that he feels better when he sleeps in his reclining chair. What is this? This would be obstructive sleep apnea. Now, what is the physiology of obstructive sleep apnea? So OSA occurs when patients have obstructions, generally in the oro-laryngopharynx, where the respiratory tract has a decreased area and sometimes fully collapses, not allowing air to pass through into the lungs. But the key is the body still wants to breathe. So it attempts to breathe, no air is getting in. And that causes the body to go uh, hypoxic. The brain increases its awareness and has an arousal that uh, stimulates the body to try harder to breathe. This opens the airway and a rescue breath occurs. What are common causes of this disorder? Uh, common causes include increased obesity that can lead to a larger neck size. And that large neck size, when someone's laying in a supine position, can press on the soft tissue of the upper neck. Also, a large tongue, which can decrease the diameter of the mouth and push back into the oropharynx. And large tonsils in children, as well as micronathia, which is the same thing as small jaw size, micronathia. All of these things, what they have in common is decreasing the size and increasing the pressure on the airway. Important to note is snoring is a common indicator that there's some low-level obstruction, but may not actually be related to a full or even partial stop in breathing, although it's highly correlated with obstructive sleep apnea. What's one of the dangerous long-term complications of OSA? So I've seen some really bad OSA in my time. I've never seen pulmonary hypertension come from OSA, but over time, it's not treated. This is a possible complication. What are some of the treatments? Weight loss is best. So if you can get the patient to have conservative treatments, such as weight loss, that's fantastic. For mild OSA, what can you do? For mild OSA, mouthpieces that help bring the jaw forward and keep the tongue from collapsing into the back of the throat can really help. And for mild all the way to severe, CPAP, also continuous positive airway pressure, 
can really be used for symptomatic relief, increased oxygenation during the night. Interesting to note, there are a lot of studies that have come out showing that CPAP doesn't really have that much long-term benefit for comorbid conditions and life expectancy. What is the difference between obstructive sleep apnea and central sleep apnea? So the main difference here is the drive to breathe. Which one has a decreased drive to breathe? So central sleep apnea is a problem with the central nervous system. So there's a limited or absent drive to breathe for periods of time. Obstructive sleep apnea, on the other hand, the body tries to breathe, but there's an obstruction that limits the airflow. What is a high-risk behavior for central sleep apnea? So I found this really interesting, did not know this, but opioid use can uh, increase the risk for CSA. So if you have a chronic opioid user, it really makes sense because there's decreased respiratory drive with someone in an opiate overdose. That's what will um, cause mortality in those patients. So it makes sense. What's the best treatment for central sleep apnea? Stop any offending agents or problems, and then you can treat with a BiPAP or a bi-level. This almost replicates on a minor level respiration can assist with that. All right. Patients who fall asleep with strong emotion go right into REM sleep and have vivid dreams at the beginning and end of the night. What is this? So this is narcolepsy, relatively uh, commonly known disorder. What are hypnagogic and hypnopompic hallucinations? These are vivid dreams when going to or awakening from sleep. So hypnogogic, they go to sleep with the vivid dreams. And then the other one is when they come out. What lab test can be off in narcoleptic patients? Low hypocretin 1 in the CSF. Now, the way I'm going to try to remember this is the prefix hypo also means below or low. And so if you take the 1 and you put it low, put it on its side, it looks like a person's sleeping. So don't be a cretin and fall asleep anywhere. Low hypocretin 1 in the cerebral spinal fluid. Also, it's important to note that hypocretin is another name for orexin. So if you hear low orexin, you can think of low orestin. Orexin, orest, like resting and sleeping. Orestin moderates sleep in the hypothalamus. Lastly, we're going to talk about circadian rhythm sleep disorders. First case, a 17-year-old male stays up until 1 a.m. during the school week and then stays up until 3 or 4 a.m. on the weekends. He plays video games, reads books, and talks with friends. Monday mornings are especially hard to get up to, but each morning's difficult. What disorder is this? Very common in teenagers, this is delayed sleep phase disorder. It can occur with somebody who also is you know, having caffeine or other uh, stimulus that keeps them awake at nighttime. So this is the case of the 24 to 25 hour sleep cycle is extended and so they wake up but it takes them longer to get back to sleep. What's the best treatment in this case? So the best treatment for the delayed sleep phase disorder is to bring back that sleep. So you want to give melatonin at nighttime to induce sleep, have good sleep hygiene behaviors, and then in the morning, get them to get up and look at the sun or do light therapy pretty early after waking up, which will arouse the brain earlier and get the awakening periods more set. What if the patient is now an older female who gets tired earlier and earlier in the evening? This is the opposite. This is advanced sleep phase disorder. And the best things that can help with this might be uh, late night activities that can increase a reason to stay awake 
as well as phototherapy at night. It can activate the brain and decrease the natural secretion of melatonin. A couple of other disorders to keep in mind, shift work disorder and jet lag disorder. Those are pretty obvious. Someone whose shift work is doing all sorts of shifts so they can be tired all the time and have irregular sleep patterns, which you know a lot of people in medicine have. And then jet lag disorder, it depends on which direction you go. Um, and so just pay attention to someone who's been on a long flight and they're having trouble sleeping. Let's move on to the rapid review. What sleep stage are K-complexes and sleep spindles associated with? All right, these are two things. So it's associated with stage two sleep. What stage of sleep are delta waves associated with? Delta wave is stage three, which is deep sleep. A 31-year-old obese female patient with snoring, morning headaches, and daytime sleepiness. What's the most likely disorder? Obese, snoring, headaches, and sleepiness sounds like OSA to me. What's the treatment? The treatment is CPAP and weight loss. All right, what's the difference between central sleep apnea and obstructive sleep apnea? Here it's the drive to breathe. I've heard it explained this way. Central sleep apnea is an electrical problem without the signal. Obstructive sleep apnea is a plumbing problem where it's obstructed. All right, you've got a patient acting out his violent dreams and injured his wife. What is it? This is REM sleep behavior disorder. What are possible medications for PTSD nightmares? Do you remember this one? This is prazosin, that the nightmares go away, and antidepressants. So prazosin and antidepressants. Iron deficiency anemia, or iron deficiency, is related to what disorder? This would be restless leg syndrome. And remember what iron deficiency anemia looks like. They could always give you like a low MCV with hypochromatic red blood cells and a patient that's really tired. So what's the best treatment for restless leg syndrome? Some of these treatments include dopamine agonists and benzos. Hypocretin 1 is associated to what disorder? All right, they'll put the one on its side, sleeping too much. This is narcolepsy. This is when a patient has vivid dreams, fast REM onset, and uh, sleep or loss of muscle tone with strong emotion. Melatonin at night is best for what circadian rhythm disorder? Remember, melatonin at night. So melatonin at night, you want to get them to sleep earlier. So this is a delayed sleep phase disorder. And what about a patient that has trouble getting to sleep and awakens regularly. What's the best treatment there? Sounds like insomnia. The initial treatment is conservative approach, sleep hygiene, and CBT, but you could always give medications if needed. All right, what about medications for insomnia that have limited addictive nature and daytime sleepiness? These are the Z's, Zolpidem, Zalpalon, and Azopiclone. You really have to give me credit for uh, pronouncing those or mispronouncing those. <laughs> All right, a patient has anxiety, anxiety attacks at night and want a drug for short-term use. These are benzos. Or maybe the patient is depressed and old, so the Z's don't work. Trazodone or anatriptyline. Thanks for listening to Medical Student Study Cast. We've got some great quotes of the day here. 
first from the Dalai Lama, sleep is the best meditation, which is pretty much what I do when I go to yoga. Next, sleeping is my drug, my bed is my dealer, and my alarm clock is the police. And last, I'm not an early bird or a night owl. I'm some form of a permanently exhausted pigeon. If you appreciate this podcast, please consider supporting this content by donating to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash medical student study cast or at anchor.fm forward slash medical dash student dash study cast. If you have comments or concerns, please contact me at medical student study cast at gmail.com. Share what you find helpful, changes you would like to see made, and personal experiences with the podcast. Remember, I'm only a humble third-year medical student, so if I make any mistakes, please feel free to let me know, and I'll do my best to correct those mistakes and provide the most useful, concise, and accurate study tool I can. This podcast is not meant to be the only resource of learning use for medical student clerkships. This podcast is not affiliated with Rockefeller University and should not be used to diagnose or treat patients. I'd like to thank Free Music Archive.org for the intro and outro music.